and welcome back to another edition of the On The Board Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Will Trucci, a.k.a. Will C., coming to you from my car, driving home after a day of work here. So, for those that do care, I, I'm working in Brooklyn right now over at a hospital. That's all I'm going to say on that. Um, it is... It's a beautiful day. It's Thursday, the 29th, I want to say. So, for those that are enjoying their holiday thus far... Your Thanksgiving, I hope it was great. Your Christmas is coming up. Whatever you celebrate, Passover, you know, Kwanzaa, whatever it is, Festivus, enjoy your holiday. But I got a couple of things on my mind here that I wanted to really talk about first and foremost here. And it's an audio podcast, so I guess we'll start off here with the Jets. And I haven't done one of these in a long time. Uh... I tried recording a a, visu- uh, a video podcast, and the way how YouTube was working out, it was downloading too long. So I'm going to try one of these solo episodes out for sure with the audio in the car. But as I take a slug of Poland Spring here, it's really unbelievable what this team has gone through. Over the course of time, no doubt, in my mind. And look, a lot of people are going to blame Zach. A lot of people are going to blame Robert Sala. A lot of people are going to go out there and blame this, you know, this offensive line. Realistically speaking, it's all three. It's all three of the same old, same old. And if you really had to say truly what it is at this point in time, it's on the owner too. It's on Woody Johnson, Robert Wood Johnson. So, as talented, like I said, as this defense is, this defense really shouldn't be getting the blame, but in all likelihood, they do give up some penalties. They do give up a big play every now and again. But again, it comes down to the same thing. How long are you on the field for? And this defense, so far... This season, they've been on the they've been on the field for a very very long time, just because of the fact that they've had to bail out this offense. And let's call it the way how it is right now. Zach Wilson to me is not he's not the problem. Okay, he's not. If we're really looking at it like in a fair in a fair sense, and being these you know being quote-unquote fair because this offensive line hasn't given him any time to go out there and throw the ball right this offensive line has realistically speaking has him running for his life out there for every game that he's played in thus far in his NFL career and it feels like a long time but it's his third year and we kind of already know what he is at that point in time, okay? So, he's not a superstar. He's not going to go out there and and be that. He's been bad. He's been bad. And I was on the bandwagon of, you know, believing in this kid. Rightfully so. If he did come back this year, I would support him because he plays for my team. But in all all reality, in all likelihood, I'll be honest... I'll be honest here. 
this team has to find, outside of Aaron, they have to find themselves a, a new quarterback. Not just for next season with Aaron Rodgers here in the fold. Probably for, let's say if he comes back in December, he'll come back in December. Looking like it'll be against the Commanders. Okay. But realistically speaking, in two years, what are you going to do? But I, we can't focus in on two years, let alone next year. You have to legitimately think about what's going to happen within the next couple weeks. Tim Boyle is not the answer, by the way. And I get it. You know, he's here because of Aaron Rodgers, no doubt. But it should never have been like this. And I'm not even going to go out there and if we had a, a comparable quarterback here for, for the time, I'm going to say no to those people. Because, in all reality, this is where we are. And it's been like that for years with whoever is under center. But it's the same problems that this team has. Like I said before, with the offensive line being in shambles the way out is for years. Okay? And I get it. Vera Tucker, Becton, you know, you, you, you're getting Dwayne Brown back. It is what it is in that regard. Lincoln Tomlinson being the former old pro that he once was. You know, it's a it's an older group. And the only real bright spot out of this year, if you're really looking forward to building this this group, is Joe Tipman. Joe Tipman, so far this year, you go look at the analytic yeah, the analytical numbers, excuse me, on Mr. Tipman. He's really good. So if you want to put him at center or at right guard, wherever, wherever it is, you go out there and you make sure that Joe Tipman is on this team, no doubt. Even though he's a rookie, he'll be here. You do not. He's your. He's one of your centerpieces for the future. Same thing with Vera Tucker, but he's been getting hurt uh, over the course of time. And, you know, the jury's still on, out on him. Uh, per se, but he's still really good as well. But Becton, same thing. We don't know what what it is with him. He's a difference maker when he's on that left side of the, the of the offensive line group for sure. But we're gonna find out uh, with this team, no doubt. But this offensive line has to get better. That's that's priority number one. They got to find out who their left tackle is next year, and who whoever's gonna be on that line. That is priority number one for the New York Jets. It, it shouldn't be quarterback because Aaron should be the quarterback for next year. And I don't want to hear about the draft. You could go out there and get a quarterback after Rodgers retires. Say what you will. But, you know, for me, like I said before, for me, offensive line with that first-round draft pick. You win those battles in the trenches – you're going to make it to the playoffs. That's what the Jets did during those back-to-back -back AFC Championship games. That's what they did in the mid-2000s. And, you know, they had themselves a good a good attack in 2015. You know, when, when they had the last year of Mangold and Ferguson, 
And I, I know about the Ryan Fitzpatrick three interception game against Buffalo. Believe me, I know that. But again, the consistent theme here is offensive line, getting a, a solid depth of wide receivers. And how about this? You know, why is it that for years the Jets neglect on getting depth at the receiving position? Ask, ask yourself that question. I feel like when I see other teams that are competing, why is it that, oh yeah, they go out there, they get these pieces, and the final piece is the quarterback, it feels like, for them. And then they draft whatever they got to do or get guys in here at that point from an offensive standpoint. Why is that? I never understood it. I don't think that for for what the Jets are trying to do, and it, uh, I always scratched my head over this because every year I always tried to say, well, you know, they're going after defense, and the excuses that I got from all the beat writers was, well, they got to go up against Brady and company. They got to find a way to stop Gronk. So that's why they went after all these defensive players for years. Before 2018, before Sam Darnold got drafted here, before they traded away their three seconds in the first in 2018 for Darnold. Every year was, okay, defense first, defense first, defense first for years. And it was like that for about an 11-year, 12-year span where it was all, all and down up the board defense. And that's what built those Rex Ryan teams. People forget about that. Yeah, the offensive line was good, but who who were those top draft picks in in that time? Kerry Rhodes was a top draft pick for this team, right? Second round, third round, or to an extent. Jonathan Vilma, even though he got traded in 09, uh, was was a first round draft pick. David Harris, second round pick. Uh, Darrell Revis, first round pick. You know, I don't want to talk about Vernon Golston, but at the time, Golston was that piece. You know, so this team right now, say what you will, you know, for years they've always depended on, they've always depended on their first round draft picks on defense. And over the past 10 years, per se, if we're going back to 2013, it really hasn't been all sunshine, lollipops, and rainbows outside of Quinnen and uh, Sauce Gardner, what we're seeing right now from from these Jets. But, you know, I could go on and on. The list can go on and on with the defense. Uh, Calvin Pryor, first-round draft pick, hasn't worked out. Uh, Dean Milner, didn't work out. Sheldon Richardson, uh, you know, didn't really work out. Leonard Williams was was a good player, but, you know, in the grand scheme of things here for the Jets, it didn't work out. Darren Lee didn't work out. You know, again, I can name, I can name names. You know, it, it, it's the same thing year in and year out. So they got to start figuring out a way to get offensive guys here and start getting uh, scouts and assistant coaches here on the offensive side of the ball that can work something out because right now 
it's the Aaron Rodgers show on offense. And Aaron Rodgers is controlling everything on the offensive side of things. And the Jets, outside of uh, Garrett Wilson, they haven't developed anything from a wide receiving standpoint. Tight ends, you want to talk about Ruckert being a great blocking tight end? Go for it. Conklin has been a really good receiving tight end. He has. Uzama, though, total 180, sucks. You got to get rid of him. Commits penalties, does nothing, really, except maybe run block. But he's always a penalty waiting to happen at that point in time. So if I am the New York football Jets, you got to spend a draft pick on an offensive lineman. I don't think spending the money is worth it on some of these guys that are probably going to be... I don't have the name names on me, but you got to go out there. you got to draft an offensive lineman. You have to. You win those battles in the trenches, and you got to get the right person there. You can't just say best available talent like Mekhi Becton, and then he gets hurt. No offense to him. Great guy. Seems like he's a great guy. But you can't just say best available player all the time. You got to find these guys. And they they have to be A-plus personalities. So, like, locker room guys. Not somebody that's going to build up their own brand, per se. So, there's that. All right. Chirucci with you here on the On The Board Sports Podcast. I know, like I said before, I haven't done one of these in a while. I know Sean did his uh, episode last week. But the Islanders right now, they are where they are. We'll talk about the Islanders too. They are 3-4-3 in their last 10 games. Not the prettiest sight. They have to get better from an offensive standpoint. But also... They got to learn how to finish the close games out. This is, I saw this stat. I saw this from Drive for Five on on them. Shout out David Lazar, who runs that Instagram page because he, that guy puts out some great content. Him, Isles Guys, all those guys that do the Islander pages on social media, they do a fantastic job uh, on on that. So, on that note, I was reading this post from the Drive for Five page. And I saw it. And I'm saying to myself, you know, what are we doing here? Nine games this year. Nine games. They have blown a lead in the third period. Nine. And another stat that I saw from drive for five is the fact that they've been up in most of their games about like maybe 80 or 85 percent of their games they were up with the lead i mean that is legitimately sick and they still managed a way to lose it's unacceptable it really is. And at one point in time, I know I've been saying, you got to go out there and make a change with the coach. 
Maybe a trade's coming. That's the one bad thing that I hate with a Lou Lamarillo-operated team is the fact that, yes, while sometimes it's great to have some things sworn in and you don't want to let things out of, out of the realm of your own world, but at some point in time, you got to have, like, some sort of, like, hot seat, okay? Like, you got to know, like, what's going on. We're all left up in the air at that point in time, left to wonder, left to use our imagination. Like, what are we really doing here at that point in time? So, you know, it, it really, it makes you wonder what's going on behind closed doors, but it also makes you wonder what Lou Amarillo is trying to do uh, with this team. So, you know, having said all this right now, I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen here. And I'll say this, okay? When that Bo Horvat trade happened last year, and we'll get into the other Bo that got traded. Cuz I got I got some I got a couple things to say about that too. But We didn't know that the Bo Horvat trade was happening. We were all instantaneously shocked, just like that. Nobody had a clue. Nobody had a, uh, an inkling as to, you know, what was going to happen or what was going to go on. So I say this to tell you, when a move happens, and if this losing, if this losing in the third period continues to be a trend, and we heard the Lou Lamarillo press conference when Pelic and Martin went down, along with Ajo, Sebastian Ajo, where he's confident in their abilities. At some point in time, yeah, this Islander team is a good team, but they've been blowing games in the third period. At some point in time, it's a reflection on the staff, it's a reflection on the roster, and they have to get better. Because if not, I, I hear it all the time with regards to the the way how things are after after the uh, after the Thanksgiving Day break. After Thanksgiving Day, you are what your record says you are at that point in time. Their power play is a top ten unit. Their Penalty kill is the total opposite. They are ranked 31st in the National Hockey League. And this was a group a couple of years ago, even last year, for that matter. They were a top 10 unit, per se. What has happened to this penalty kill? The power play, the first unit, looks phenomenal. They look great. But the, the second unit doesn't look that hot. And that, that's really, to me, on coaching staff and on the construction of the roster. And Lou, say what we want about Lou, you know, he's, I'll say this, he's made adjustments. He has. He's kept some guys here, but at that same point in time, he hasn't. But watching this team right now, 
seeing what we see and knowing what we know, it's not good and it's not pretty. So, this team right now has to figure it out. They're going up against the Carolina Hurricanes team that was picked by many to be a division winner. And right now, they are in the middle of the pack for the division. But the Rangers are just looking like they're, they're world beaters right now at this point in time being in first place. Throw my feelings aside for a second here for the Rangers. They look good. They they look like a juggernaut. They do. I'll give them their, their, their due and their say. They're missing out on Adam Fox. Yeah, they have that next man up mentality right now. And that's something that you really have to see. And that is like, for them, that's, that's a good thing. As much as I despise their fans and them, can't, can't do it. Can't do it. Rooting for them, but... At that same point, I will give them their due. They are they're playing phenomenally well in that regard. One of the best teams in the league, no doubt. But where the Islanders are right now, in comparison to them, once you, it feels like once this team hits three goals, that's it. It's over. It's done with. But some guys have to get more opportunity. And I'll say this, some other guys have to get less opportunity. Some veterans on this team are not going to... Hey, fuck it, I'll mention names. Matt Martin's got to sit. Sorry. Matt Martin's got to sit. Anders Lee, while he's wearing the captain's uh, letter on his jersey, and he's making 7 mil, he's got to sit for a game or two. Even though he looks like on the first line against Jersey, he found the spark. Okay? Cal Clutterbuck... Should be in that lineup. As much as he's been, you know, he's been doing his thing. He's having a bounce back here. I'll admit that. You know, he's playing with a little something for himself right now. No doubt. Um, I'm trying to think, like, who else? Engvall, he is what he is. He got scratched earlier in the year. I think he looks like he's... Woken up a little bit. Only got one goal, but or a couple of goals, I should say. But he is what he is. Pajot with a great goal last on Tuesday from Barzell. And listen, people want to shit on him because of the fact that he doesn't score. But the guy does other things well. He can go out there and be a solid penalty killer. You know, he can go out there and be a you know, a solid, serviceable third. He's always been solid and serviceable. And so far this year, yeah, the third line, it's been mixed and jumbled up a little bit, but he's been the focus and he's been that centerpiece on that on that team. And he's been doing a lot of work at that time. And the penalties have to stop too. Well, you're not going to stop penalties, but they have to straighten out and fly right in that regard. So, uh... It, with that being said, I look at this team right now. I look at this team, and can they be better? Sure. Is it an alarming trend with Pellet being out now, with Ajo being out? Two of your regularly used defensemen. And by the way, I got to admit this. Outside with what Mike Riley has done 
in his first game, I'm impressed with the puck handling ability that he has. Say what you want about him giving up that goal. It, it is what it is, okay? It's his first game, but he'll learn. He'll learn over that course of time. But hopefully it's not a trend. Hopefully it's not a trend for him. But one game in, thought, hey, you know, he looks good from an offensive standpoint. And it's something that this team needs. Needs somebody to just shoot it on that instead of trying to have to find it. And other teams, they don't know. Like, I, you see what they're trying to do, like try and block it. I think this guy can be a solid piece for this team, no doubt. Hudson Fashing, get back to him, should be playing more. Uh, Julian Gauthier should be playing more. Um, you know, that guy can skate. That guy can legitimately skate. And he can hit. And he's noticeable out there. I love the fourth line when they're intact. Matt Martin, Clutterbuck, and Sezikis. But Gauthier on that fourth line, I think he can be he can be really solid and really serviceable. And he can skate. And I'm sorry for Matt Martin. I love Matty Martz. Lifetime Islander. Well, he got traded he got he signed with Toronto. But in my eyes, he'll always be an Islander. But regardless, you got to put Gauthier in for the foreseeable future unless he fucks up on a consistent basis. So, there's that. Um, outside of that, Sorokin, I thought he's been, I can't really blame him, but he's part, he, you know, he's, what the, man, I tell you. I'm driving right now, and you see a lot of people. This guy's in the middle of the highway selling flowers. Literally. It's back-to-back, bumper-to-bumper traffic right now on the Bell Parkway. And I, I just passed JFK. And legit, somebody's in the middle of the road selling flowers. I, I thought I've seen it all. Wow. But anyway, like I was saying before, this kid should be in the lineup. Uh, Sorokin, I can't blame Sorokin really for much of these losses, but at some point in time, if you're the goalie, you got to say something, put your foot down. This is unacceptable. No doubt. This is legit unacceptable it is it is and I was up in Canada watching this team yeah a greasy goal or two by Sorokin but you know what the most part is it's this defense when you're up big in these spots and you're looking like world beaters for 40 minutes and you don't have an answer for the final 20 but it's not about what, what you're remembered for at the beginning. It's how you finish. And right now the Islanders, they are what they are. They are what their record says they are at that point. So 
I'm really, I'm really kind of upset about that, but they, they put themselves in that spot. And maybe we see Varlamov in here for a couple of games. Maybe we see him in Carolina. Maybe we see him in Florida. Who knows? And then by the time next week rolls around, they play the Sharks coming off of their, their bye, off of, off of their road trip. Wouldn't be surprised if the Sharks beat them. And they make another AHL goalie look like a stud. Would not be surprised by that at all, at the very least. So, you know, I'll tell you this. Buckle up, Islander fans. Buckle the F up. All the way up to New Year's. Every game from here on out for this team is a must-win. And you can talk about how bad the rest of the Metro is, but if they, if you cannot finish games, you play a great twenty minute, a great forty minutes, but you can't finish those last twenty, it's going to be a nail biter from here on out. And hopefully, maybe Lou gets a defenseman here from whether it's Calgary or whatever with Adam Pellet being out. But at that point in time, somebody, somebody has to go. Whether it's... And that's the thing. Who are you going to give up on the defensive side of things? As gritty and as tough as Scott Mayfield is, he's locked up for the next six years. Who in their right mind is going to take on that deal? Who? I get it. You know, there's plenty of teams out there that, that are looking for that gritty defenseman. And that's what Mayfield is. And that's what, make, that's what makes Mayfield kind of like an underrated fan favorite in that sense. But I don't see his jersey being sold in the team store. So as stupid as that sounds. Because I go in that Isles, Isles Lab, that store, nearly every single day. Every sing, not every single day, every single time that they're home. I don't see a Scott Mayfield jersey in in there. Maybe one. It's not being bought. I don't think anybody's going to pay $250 for a Scott Mayfield jersey. That's just me, though. And he's been rather relatively clutch over his course of time here. Like, I know a friend of mine, he has his gamer from 2018 when he wore 42. For that, for that matter. But like, you know, it's a little, it's a little crazy. You know, he's got to, he's got to be better in that regard. But they have to pick it up. And let's say, for the argument's sake, that they are in it, who are they going to get rid of? Because in a trade, you're going to have to. Get rid of somebody, somebody that's somebody that you don't want to give up on. But in order to get somebody back in return, that's far superior from an offensive standpoint to put on on the line with Barzal and Horvat. You're going to have to do it. Andrews Lee looks revitalized on that first line from what I saw against New Jersey, but I can't rely on that. Wallstrom great shot, but again, commits a penalty 
a dumb penalty every once and again on that first line. And he really doesn't skate the best. But he has that shot. And he's he's trying to develop that physical game. But I, I don't know. I, I really... It's, it's getting hard. Pajot with the 5 mil for the next year. I mean, that could be a trade ship because his contract's coming off the books within the next year and a half. I don't know. You know, I, I'm I'm beginning to run out of answers. Holmstrom, good two-way forward, good third-line checking forward. Maybe he stays. You know, and by the way, with Holmstrom, I've defended him a lot on, on the app, on Twitter, X, whatever you call it. And he... He is what he is. He's a great defensive player. He's a guy that's going to, he's big, he's young, he can skate. The problem is, is the offensive side. He's got a shot. He's not Oliver Wallstrom's shot, but he's got a shot. He can shoot it when he has the puck on his stick. Problem is, he's getting blocked, but the opportunities that he has on the third line and I think that if an injury does happen, maybe we might see Zach Parise back. If an injury, another injury happens like this on, on this roster. We're going to find out. We're going to see. But, uh, excuse me. But it's, it's really something, man. To, to watch and I've defended him and a lot of people are saying well he should be the next one to sit alright then since he's your left handed stick you're going to have right now you got Gauthier as a right handed stick out there right you got Clutter out there as a right handed stick on your fourth line you're not taking out Sezikis or Clutterbuck because they've been really consistent over that course of time it's it's tough it's really tough to say. On the third line, are you going to scratch Wallstrom? Wallstrom's been, you know, decent to that extent. Holmstrom, outside of the, the gaff against Jersey, he's been decent. Pajot, what are you going to do there? You know, they, they traded for Tice Thompson. Maybe... Maybe Tyce Thompson might be a third-line center, or he might be your fourth-line center, and Lou's got something in the works for, for Pajot. I don't know. Or maybe something's coming that we're all going to be blown away by. And we're going to be like, really? This is what we did? And I wouldn't be surprised if Thompson's up here. If a trade happens. So... We'll find out, but right now, like I said, the Islanders, they are where they are. I'll give a little recap right now. The Oilers, uh, from the from the NHL perspective, overall, the Oilers, my second team, because my girlfriend, she's an Oilers fan, so I'll root for the Oilers because of her. They are what they are. They're all offense their defense has been playing okay to that extent, but Stuart Skinner 
Jack Campbell or whoever, this kid that they brought up from Bakersfield, has to be better. No doubt. Kid has to be better. But the whole goalie situation has to be better. And at one point in time, do you say to yourself, if you're the owner of the Oilers here and you're Ken Holland, you're going to try everything you can. At some point in time, you have to go out there and maybe get a new goalie coach at that point in time. Maybe it's partially the players that you bring in, but at that same point in time, you know, maybe you need the goalie coach here. Not trying to make excuses. Would love to hear what others have to say about it. You know, it is it is what it is. Vegas is one of the best teams in the league right now, no doubt. Uh, San Jose sucks. L.A., no surprise where they are right now. They've been playing uh, really, really good uh, in that regard. Uh, Anaheim, right there to that extent, was just listening to Alex Kalorn on the Spit and Chicklets podcast. So he's been... You know, he's been okay for them for the most part. You know, Mason McTavish and Troy Terry and and uh, the other kid, uh, Zegras, they've been good to that extent, stealing games in which they shouldn't be winning out on the East Coast. Uh, they've been looking good to that extent. Rangers, world beaters per se. Vancouver started off the year hot. And let's, speaking of Vancouver, Chicago, eh. But let's speak, let's speak of Vancouver here for a second. Because not only is Elias Peterson playing well, or Pedersen, however you want to say his name, but they've been playing really good. you got to give credit to Thatcher Demko here, too, for going out there and playing absolutely out of his mind. He is legit a top five, top ten goalie in the league. And when he's healthy... This Vancouver team can go far. JT Miller and their power play, they've been really producing uh, over that course of time. And they've been doing their their thing, no doubt. But, you know, for me, watching and, and looking at this team right now with the, with the Canucks, the way how they are, and Hughes should be in the running for Norris. Their captain up there, one of the Hughes brothers. Quinn Hughes. He should be in the running for Norris. No doubt. But for me, you know, the whole to switch over to the Blackhawks now, they are where they are. Taylor Hall's out. They released Corey Perry, whatever happened with him. And by the way, I I mentioned Anthony Beauvillier earlier on, on this episode. Man. I got to tell you, man, I'm kind of upset that, about the fact that Beauvillier got traded. But from what I was reading with Bo, he got dropped to the fourth line. And Rick Tockett just basically said, nah, none of that. So they wound up getting a, they wound up trading in the Chicago because of what happened with Corey Perry and that whole situation. Who knows what happened uh, at that point. But hearing... Uh, their GM talk about how it was unacceptable that he kind of mistreated one of their facility workers, one of their one of their Blackhawk staff members. It might be worse than him doing Bedard's mom as a rumor, but it's uh, it's not pretty. But maybe it's worser than what 
what we think it is right now at that point in time. Uh, but yeah, no, it, it's not good in that regard. And they need to figure out a way to try and develop Bedard. And I think having Beauvillier there in Chicago, this might actually elevate, not elevate, but bring back his career in that sense. Good skater. Guy can do it all. Four checker. He can be a puck hound. And he's on a young Chicago Blackhawks team where there's no expectations. So for Anthony to go in there, and I love Beauvillier. I love him as a player. I love him as a human being. I just don't want to talk about him in a negative light. But the one thing with him was he has to score. And for him, maybe being on a line with Bedard to help him out, I think he'd probably revitalize his career. So, like I said, the guy, the guy can do it. He's a good skater, like I said before, a good skater. He's a four-checker. He's a guy, if you had to, if you really needed to, you could put him out there as a penalty killer. He's good on the power play to an extent. He, he could be flashy. He's got an underrated backhand. I think Beauvillier, with, with this group, can, can show some things. And if you remember, when he was with the Islanders... Him and Barzal were best friends. Maybe Beauvillier can teach this kid a thing or two on how to be, you know, this kid Bedard, how to be a quote-unquote pro in that sense. And he's a young stud in making. So we'll find out. We'll see what happens uh, with this, with that deal. But for him to get dropped off to a fifth, for a fifth-round pick goes to show you where Beauvillier is right now, but also, too, where the Blackhawks are right now because they were desperate for a forward and they wound up getting, they wound up getting uh, really a guy that could use a revitalization uh, in, his, in his career. And no doubt, we were looking forward to seeing Beauvillier in, uh, in, uh, when he came back. But against Chicago, coming up, hey, it would be nice. It would be nice to actually, you know, see him go out there and play. And play with the top-level talent in Bedard. Maybe, maybe playing with him along with Anthony Siu being those two guys that are fast Maybe that can help him out, but what do I know? All right. Uh, am I missing out on anybody else? Florida's been playing okay. Tampa Bay, they just got back Vasilevsky, so they've been on the verge of a playoff spot, no doubt about it. Uh, Washington, surprisingly, looking good. Toronto, we all thought that with their top six being locked up now, along with Matthews being locked up, really, Nylander, the only one that you're really looking out for, getting a big payday coming up soon. But we'll find out what happens there. But surprisingly, where they are, it's been 
it's been realistically like a head scratcher for them over that course of time. Their goalie situation not not the prettiest, and their defense not really the best. Um, I know I'm ranting and ra- raving over here right now on the NHL, but that's pretty much about it. Nothing really going on in the baseball sense. You know, hot stoves coming up. We don't know what's going on over there. And by the way, this whole NBA in-season tournament, man, what the fuck? What is this shit? Like, we're, we're promoting this garbage. This garbage should just be regular season games at this point. And we're hyping this up to be for more jersey sales, more memorabilia being sold, courts being added, more revenue for ads. It's like, man, what the hell are we doing right now? Like, legitimately, what are we doing right now in the NBA? I really need to know. I really need to know what the fuck we're doing in the NBA with this whole... And then you see these teams that got that are still in it. It's like, yeah, they're in it because of the fact that they're fucking the top teams in the National Basketball Association. And what and what is this going to play into the whole grand scheme of things in June? You know, what like I don't understand the I don't understand Silver's thinking here. I don't maybe I'll be one of those guys in the long run I'll be like, "Oh, it makes sense now." In the long run. But right now, it doesn't make sense. It's absolutely atrocious. It is a horrible pro- I, I can't even watch it. I can't. And people people that are in the game, people that follow it for for not only a living, but fans in general saying, oh, it's a good thing for the How is it a good thing? Explain to me in the long run of everything that's going on right now. Please explain to me like I'm a five-year-old how this is good for the NBA. And how it's good for for ticket sales and revenue and all this stuff for for it for the fans. Please ask me that. Or tell me how it's good. Doesn't make any sense. It really doesn't. But what do I know? Alright. Enough of me ranting and raving for now. Uh final thought on this one. Saw Luis Severino go over to the Mets. He signed a one-year deal. Good for him. I hope he finds it. He was really, when healthy, one of the one of the best pitchers on the Yankees and probably a top 50 starter in Major League Baseball when healthy, when he gets everything all right and was a part of those Yankee teams that made it to the ALCS. He was an underrated team. He was an underrated player. Uh, for them when healthy he was so he was on that that 2017 18 19 team made it to 2020 injuries happened derailed his career no doubt I see a lot of fans uh basically uh one fan in particular not gonna mention names basically saying oh the Mets pick up the Yankee retread blah 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 it's jobs it's a job for these players good for them and if they want to go out there and and do it and they feel like, hey, I'm getting X amount of money to go play here for a year, and it's worth it. 
man, I am I am super super stoked for Severino that he's getting a chance somewhere else. I am. Now we'll find out as the hot stove continues to warm up what's going to happen with the Juan Soto trade. What's going to happen here with the Mets, with this whole Yamamoto situation? Are the Yankees going to be involved? Is Shohei Otani going to go some? Like, this is one of the more, and I feel like in the whole baseball grand scheme of things, I feel like it's getting overplayed and under-talked about. It's getting under-talked about because people are batting an eye on probably the monetary value of what some of these players are going to be getting. And... It might be overrated because every year in free agency, it's always the same story of, and this is down the road, but we've seen it happen numerous times. X, X player in free agency gets X amount of money. He gets hurt. You know, fan base gets turned off by, by said player. Meanwhile, you got these younger guys coming in, lighting it up. And that team makes it to the world's or the playoffs, and they're young and fun to watch. While the other team that has the free agency, you know, players on their teams, they fizzle out and they don't do much. With the exception of the Phillies, you know, they really don't do much. And the and the uh, Rangers, those are the only two teams I can think of in the past two years that have went on deep, serious runs. But outside of that, it's really been, you know, free agency. And trying to trade for the right guys, for the right pieces here. It's tough. But that's the way how I look at it. But to get back to that, you know, is it going to be the same thing? Are we going to see players make, you know, X amount of money? We're going to find out. But, you know, for me, watching it right now, uh, this team, like I said, the Yankees, I don't expect them to do anything. I, I hear from Tierney. I hear from... You know, these guys that talk on the radio, on Twitter, I see it on Twitter. Like, yeah, we're going to go out there, we're going to get a big move. Maybe I'm out of the loop for baseball for a long time. I don't know, but I don't see the Yankees doing much. I don't see them going after, you know, Soto. I think he's he the, the GM for the Padres is going to ask for a lot, and like Cashman, He's going to say, well, no, you know, we, we tried our best. We tried our due diligence here on on said player. It didn't work out. And, you know, we feel comfortable with the roster. That That is exactly what I envision down the road. I don't picture... I don't picture that, you know, happening. I don't picture that Soto trade to the Yankees happening. But he would be a perfect fit for this team. He would be. Left-handed bat. Could play the outfield. You could put him in left field. You got judging right. You're possibly going to have Dominguez playing in center. Maybe Estevan Floreal. We'll find out. But, all right. I'm going to get going. Enough of me talking. Chirucci with you here on the On The Board Sports Podcast. Logging out from my car. Driving home. In traffic right now. I'll talk to you guys soon. Peace out. Stay safe out there wherever you may be. And God bless you all. I'll have an episode out with Shawnee within the next week or so. I'll talk to you guys soon. Peace out. God bless.